Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So, well, I don't have it for you yet. We're going to sit down and record it right now. So I want to record a solo as I'm just wrapping up my season, uh, all my late season deer hunts. So I want to go through a couple of these great adventures I had and then just start thinking about next season. And uh, I, I love that I have this passion and drive to continually work to become better. And so, yeah, I just want to discuss like some of the things I'll be working on in the off season, my plans for next year and uh, kind of start to put in the work to find success next season. So we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. So I want to thank element element is a new sponsor to Eastman's elevated and I'm psyched to have them. So element is spelled L M N T and element is an electrolyte uh, hydration supplement. And so this is like great for everything I do. It's great for hunting. It's just, you know, water isn't enough alone. Like when you have heavy exertion, like I know running in these ultras or these marathons, uh, that you have to have, a supplement so you can get in like the sodium that you need, the potassium you need, magnesium, so you don't crash. And so the great thing about Element is it has great flavor. You add it to water, and that's one of my goals for this next year is drinking more water. Uh, but this is um, water with the hydration supplement. And so uh, what it does is it it's just going to prevent like cramping. So I just had a cameraman on one of these late season hunts. Uh, we had a really big day uh, in the snow, so it was heavy exertion, and he started cramping up towards the end of the day. So I stopped, put this in a bottle, handed it to him, had him uh, drink the bottle, and, and I think it helped with his hydration. So uh, you're you're gonna uh, experience fewer cramps, um, you know, also suffer fewer headaches because you're gonna keep hydrated and hydration uh, to really. To be optimized in the mountains, you have to have correct hydration. And so this is just going to let you hydrate with less water, which is great. So it supports fasting, supports a low-carb diet. There's no added sugar. So that's another one of my goals for the next year is trying to cut out more of my sugar. Uh, keeps your skin hydrated. Uh, you get better sleep. There's so many benefits. So this is paired perfectly with uh, endurance sports or it's paired perfectly with us you know, as we're athletes out there trying to hunt the backcountry and push our bodies. And so I think this is great for your training, great for hunting, and uh, just an overall great product. So uh, you can search Element, L-M-N-T. Uh, we also have a promo for it where you can get... Um, you'll get like a sample pack of all the different flavors so you can figure out what's your favorite flavor. Um, so they've got a, a bunch of good flavors out there. So to get this free gift, you have to go, uh, you have to, it's like a custom tracked URL. So you have to put drinkelement.com backslash elevated. That'll take you to the page and then you can get that free pom- promo with any order. Uh, great company. I'm, I'm really pumped to have them on board and really pumped to have some of this uh, in my hunting gear that I can use both in training and in hunting. So thanks to Element for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank Savage Arms. So Savage builds the best out-of-the-box accurate rifles on the market. Uh, so pumped on these rifles. So I built up a 6.5 Creedmoor that shoots super accurate, and it just gets along with all the different ammo 
you know, it seems like I can plug in any ammo and get good groups with it. Uh, they have a bunch of different platforms for these rifles, so they have budget platforms. Our favorite one over at Eastman's is the uh, the 110 Ultralight. So the 110 Ultralight comes in a lightweight package for your rifle, synthetic stock, so you don't have to worry about a wood stock warping. Uh, they have an Accu Trigger, which is a trigger that you can adjust the the pole on so you can lighten up your trigger to make it more accurate you don't have to take it to a gun shop they also have an accu stock so an accu stock you can adjust the comb height you can also adjust the length of pole just to make sure that rifle fits you perfectly and I'm going to be transitioning my daughter into this rifle for next year's deer hunts as she's ready for it. And it's just super accurate and low kick. So um, they're just building great rifles. So check them out over at Savage Arms. And thanks to those guys for their support. Okay, a little early to be getting a coffee on, on the podcast. I also want to thank Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop. They have absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. So um, you can go on Black Ovis. You can also save 10% by putting in the promo code ELEVATED10, and uh, that'll get you some money off your order, which um, money in your pocket is always a good thing. It can um, help you out with putting in for those tags. So, um, yeah, uh, check out Black Ovis. They have great name brands. They also have their own name brand. They have all the top gear, a knowledgeable staff that can help you out, and uh, we really appreciate their support over here at Eastman's Elevated. Uh, also, check out CamoFire. You can save a pile of money on this app on overstocked items. Uh, also, other items that they have come through. They have 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. So you just download the app and then um, look for these hunting deals to come up. And uh, try not to spend too much money on great hunting gear. But uh, a great company. Check them out over at CamoFire. And with that, over at Eastman's. Um, yeah, we're cruising along. We've got the Mule Deer course. You can put in the promo code BRIANMDC. That'll save you 10%. And uh, if we still have any of those, um, the, the MagView Digiscopes over there, we'll give you a free gift with that. And, um, man, Tag Hub, uh, we've revamped our Tag Hub. We call it our Tag Hub 2.0. It now works with a mapping system, a 3D mapping system for these units, compiled all the data. Uh, I'll be using it a bunch here as I'm starting to figure out my season and what I'm going to apply for and make sure that I have tags for next year. But, it, you know, through Eastman's, you know, we used to do the tag hub through the back of the magazine through subscriptions. We now have this internet format and now we have tag hub 2.0 with the mapping system and compiled data. But this has really helped me learn a lot of these Western states and what's out there, what's available. I can look at good rifle hunts and then look for their bow hunts. You know, it's, there's all these statistics, the harvest statistics, the bull versus cow, the size of the bull. Like, it depends on what the state agency reports as information, uh, but all that data is compiled in TagHub. So it really helps you learn these units. We also have a rating system of blue, green, and yellow. Let's make sure we stay in the call here and continue to record. Um yeah, we're recording video, so you can um, check out this podcast on YouTube. Uh, just search Eastman's Elevated. So I'm trying to record all these podcasts now, the ones I do with guests, and now trying to do these solos as well. So that was the beep you heard. Hopefully that's the only one, uh, but we'll see as we get rolling here. So 
recording off um just make sure i hit all the record buttons and everything so um yeah i think we're good to go good to get into this podcast so man it's been a heck of a season um i just had an absolute riot uh went on so many great adventures and uh, of course i've got things that i've learned from or um you know some things that i would have done a little bit differently if i could plan it out all from the start but in the end it it ended with this great season with these great adventures doing what i love to do the west just has the best adventures like i just love hunting mule deer and elk and um I mean, I love antelope and uh, bear and everything they'll let me hunt, but it sure that deer and elk sure has a special place in my heart. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been an unreal season. I think I updated you guys last um, right after my daughter's hunt. So I killed a good buck in Montana backpacking solo, which was really fun, and then went with my daughter and um, so great to share an adventure with her and and be able to get her a buck and get her get her an opportunity and that excitement and just share this um, western hunting that I love so much and it's sleeping in the dirt with dad and, um, and and hiking big miles and packing her buck out so pretty cool stuff for sure and um, then I embarked on my late season so um, next place I uh, had a hunt in. Um, Badlands country, so place that I truly love. Now, this is a a place I'd never been, a state I had never been to. Uh, we we're gonna try to video this hunt, and um, so I I grabbed my uh, cameraman uh, Carter. He's a new cameraman that was um, recommended by my video gal Lindsay. Uh, video gal being the gal that edits all our films over there at Eastman's and runs the video department. Uh, she does a great job. In fact, um just saw a text come through with her here as I started this podcast but um yeah so she recommended Carter and um you know he's a a bit green like he hasn't filmed a lot of hunts he's filmed his own hunts and his family's hunts and um he was available for this one so yeah I picked him up and um just a great kid really knowledgeable good with his camera and then um just loves to hunt and so uh we were we were instantly good friends and um, time to go try to make this thing happen and so um, yeah it's wild it's a place I've never been um, state I've never been and so uh, embarked on this hunt and um, so I did a lot of e scouting of course trying to find the right terrain the right habitat but that only shows you so much and it's wild like I can do this e scouting and. You know, it's always good to have a plan and backup plan and plan C, plan D, and so on. And uh, I definitely needed it on this hunt. Like, um, showed up in my A spot. And it looked like good habitat off Google Earth. And I had spent so much time, like, studying this spot. And um, it's kind of like um, a, a bunch of this prairie and then jumps up into these big buttes into the mountains. Um, you know, we kind of timber on them and... and um, you know, and then there's a, a bunch of canyon and coulee country that's kind of like the in-between to these two different habitats. So, uh, showed up um, out there, and um, of course I showed up during a winter storm. The last part of the drive, the, the drive was just gnarly, and I didn't have my new winter tires. So, last year I used these studs, and um, I was able to get them from my dad. And I've always believed, like... Driving in the winter is all about uh, adjusting your speed and stopping distance. And I've always driven with like an all-season tire. And I like an all-season because like the 
the big grippy muddy tires like mudding tires like you don't get good mileage out of them and I have to travel so many miles and then you know of course like a good road tire isn't going to give me very good grip so I've always gone with like these all season uh, but there's these conditions that that I hit where it's just this glaze ice or sheer ice on a roadway and 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 also snowy condition and things where, you know, I have four-wheel drive and I'm able to get around in places. I carry chains with me. Uh, I carry all the necessary equipment for wintertime to be able to get myself out. And I've had to dig myself out of a, a snow drift or two in my day. So I've, like, driven a lot of snowy, icy roads. And there's different snow conditions. There's, like, this really cold, dry snow. There's, like, the coastal wet snow uh, like all these different conditions you can run into. But anyways, long story short, last season my dad had these studded tires. He sold his truck, and so these tires didn't fit his new truck, so he sold them to me. And I never had studs. I'd always bought studs for my wife's car. It gives her a little confidence on the snow and ice. And, you know, when she first started getting winter tires, she had a front-wheel drive car, not a four-wheel drive car. The studs were just great for stopping distances for corners. So I put studs on my four-wheel drive truck. I drive a, a Tundra. And, um, oh, my God, the difference it made in grip and on um, snowy roads, it, it was like a, a truck on steroids. Like, having those studs is such good grip on that stuff. Now, it probably costs a little bit more money. You don't get as many miles out of a studded tire. You're probably going to get 30,000 miles versus 50,000 on an all-season and then you got to have a summer set of tires to switch out to. So it's a bit of a pain. But then I look and see, like, you know, what's my life work worth? And there's some of these these icy conditions where I'm traveling, you know, six hours, seven hours. Like this trip I'm talking about, I think I had an eight or nine hour drive. And then with snowy or icy roads, that can quickly turn to 11 or 12 hours. And I've seen it on the highway with just semi-trucks jackknifed in fact there was a couple semi-trucks wrecked on this drive uh, so anyways uh, long story short I've gone to these studded tires and I was going to get them put back on my truck and I went to go get them put back on and the studs were worn down so thin that my tires guy likes is like man it isn't worth it you're not going to get another winner out of these you should order some new ones so long story short I didn't have my new tires I had my uh, just my summer rubber tires on. I do have my new tires now, and they are wild. Um, man, the grip on those things um, is just insane. In fact, I just took them on a late-season hunt where I had snowy, icy roads. I had big mountains, like slick roads, and um, they just performed flawlessly. They're just amazing. But anyways, for this trip, I had rubber tires, which took us about 10 or 11 hours. And, you know, part of my challenge this year has been, you know, trying to balance my time. You know, it's having this commitment to these homeowners and getting these houses done and having to do all the carpentry. You know, it's also like, man, I've just been burning the candle at both ends for as long as I can remember. And it wasn't quite as bad as last season, like trying to build my personal house in my free time. Uh, but it is super busy. And, you know, I've got this commitment, these two houses I'm trying to finish off. And then I just don't have any carpenters, and so I'm having to do all the carpentry work as well. I've got my dad, who's my partner, and uh, we do have a guy now that I've been able to hire, so I do have a little help or another carpenter on site, which has definitely helped, but it's just been my balance of time, and so... 
Uh, I was able to get like a week away to go do this hunt. Super pumped, new place. But I show up in my first spot, lights come on, and there's no deer anywhere. No tracks. I've got fresh snow. There's just um, not a lot of deer in there. And these spots, it's like... It's like you're trying to figure them out or like solve a puzzle. And, um, you know, you learn as much where you're not seeing deer as where you are seeing deer. And so I had to really dial this place in. And so I know there's good muley populations throughout this place, but I got to figure out where they're at. And so I started to really dial this place in. And it's tough at first when I check my A spot, my B spot, there's no deer around. And I'm just not in quite the right habitat. And what I finally started to dial in was, you know, they weren't down low in the ag or in the flats. And they they weren't really up high and in the mountains either. They were kind of in this mid-terrain of this canyon coulee country. And then they really liked the, these coulees or these canyons. And then there was... um. God, it wasn't aspen. It was like a stunted cottonwood that would sit in the bottoms of these draws that would give them some cover. Some sort of deciduous tree that would lose its its leaves. So it didn't have any leaves on it, but it provided cover for these deer and also would allow them to get out of this wind. And so I started dialing it in. It took me a couple days to start figuring it out, and it didn't help that it was gnarly winter conditions. So, um, you know, the... The, the wintertime driving was bad, and then when I got there, I mean, there was a couple days where I had 40-mile-an-hour winds, and um, not a, a a warm south wind that warms you up. It's like this bitter, cold north wind that's just um, absolutely frigid, which drove the wind chill well below zero. So wind chill well below zero, snowing, blowing just um crazy weather and then um here I am in a new state trying to figure it out so I just started hiking into these places and started dialing in you know the habitat where I wasn't seeing deer and the habitat that I was and started to find some areas that were pretty good and then started to find some does started to find some younger bucks and it's like all of a sudden just starting to put the puzzle pieces together you know where it's like okay this is where they're at this is where I'm finding them look for similar terrain and then you know it's it's always dicey like the the access there is no program that tells you, like as much as I love Onyx and I love scouting on it and they do have main roads on there and things and I'm getting, you know, throughout the years I get better at telling which roads I can drive and which roads I can't, but it's still just dicey. It's like, you know, county roads you can drive, uh, then if the road leaves a county road and crosses private, usually you can't drive it even though they show that road on public. Um, so it's almost got to leave the county road on public and then stay on public. And then, you know, there's other roads that'll go around the private at times. And so I just do the best I can to try to mark the roads and try to get a good consensus of the roads I can drive and the roads I can't. But really, I don't know until I get there, really, to start researching these roads. Or I, I have an, uh, an idea but I, I'm never for sure until I get there. And you can get stomped out of a lot of places hunting out west where you just can't get access to these places. But anyways, I started to dial it in. We started to find deer. And then, um, yeah, able to spot like a um, couple shooter bucks. And um, 
these bucks they were um they were good mature deer they were like that prairie sp- subspecies of deer but you can just tell as their bodies start to get bigger like really aging deer is more about their bodies than their antlers and so i find these two mature bucks and they're running together so this is right like late october early november and i did see some rutting action on this hunt but almost hitting this pre-rut so these two bucks are running together and um so they're feeding right away in the morning and the the one bucks actually got double stickers um, they're about the same age class, but the other typical four is just like a year older, just a touch heavier in his antlers. And like, you can tell he's just a touch older. So he's running with a buck with double kickers. And then there's a, a straight four point eye guards, really nice looking buck, dark, heavy horns. And so I see both these bucks and I figure I'd shoot either one if I get a chance, but I think if I had my choice, I would I would decide on that older buck, the typical four, and uh, we'll let that double sticker buck grow up. And so um, watch these bucks, glass them in the morning, and kind of looking at a window to try to get in on them. And there's supposed to be heavy winds this day, but as I started the day, um, you know, it was fairly calm in the morning. So I watched these bucks, and they feed up, and they kind of disappear in this coolie canyon system and I lose sight of them and so quickly load up my stuff and then go try to relocate them and it was so fun like playing cat and mouse with these bucks in those canyons um you know it you know I talk about it all the time like your instincts and decision making keeping the element of surprise like it had all that factored into it and the key is to be able to come up over these rises and to be able to pick out or locate these deer before they see me and so that's the game I played. And so I hustled up to where the bucks were and I just caught them feeding around the corner and they disappeared. And um, so then I went up to the saddle, come over the saddle, I catch them again. And so it's like really thrilling. Like this is why I bow hunt is to be able to play this cat and mouse or this game or to get a chance at a stock. It's the reason why I've driven halfway across the country through snowy, icy roads, why I'm taking a week off work, why I'm chasing these things is just for a chance. And I've got that chance now where I've got these couple bucks I'm chasing. And um, so I see him down there and I, I at one point I think the bucks are going to head up at me on the ridge and so I hustle up the ridge and I come over the top again and I locate them again and no they're not coming at me they're just feeding in this little sage bottom down in there and so you know I'm playing the wind the whole time and um, there's really no approach from where I'm at I'm not that far away I'm like maybe 150 yards maybe even 125, but there's no approach. You know, it's all open and I can't drop down. But I see that if I circle all the way back down and around the bottom and I come up the bottom of the coulee, then I'll be concealed. And so I make this move down and around and come up the bottom of the coulee. And as I come up the bottom of the coulee, there's snow and it's not crunchy yet. It's fresh snow, but it just like makes this squeak under my feet. And the snow is a double-edged sword for a bow hunter. I really prefer dry dirt. Like, I like the snow because deer stand out a little bit better. I can see tracks. I can glass them up. But that squeak just kills me for trying to get close. And also, once that snow starts to get icy, it's like, man, they just they can hear you coming from a half a mile away. Sometimes I've had to, like, leave a hunting area or quit hunting because the snow is so crunchy I can't get close. And I've also played it where, 
you know, sometimes that snow will warm up in the afternoon and get soft, and then the snow is fairly quiet. But there's always an added noise with the snow, which is like this added difficulty for a bow hunter. Now, for a rifle hunter, snow's great. It gets the deer moving, and, you know, I definitely don't mind hunting in the snow. It it does take so much more effort to get around. Like, even a couple inches is a little bit more effort, but once you start to get to a foot or a foot and a half, I think it takes, like, three times the exertion to go, like, you know, say for a mile, it takes like three miles worth of exertion in the snow just to go a mile, you know, it takes so much out of me. But, you know, it's it's like I can't really control the weather. I've got a week to hunt and I've got some snow, so I'm going to hunt. And when it gets like that too, it is just about being patient and trying to catch the bucks in the right spot where you just come over the top of a ridge line and have them there. Or, you know, you just have to play the game a little bit different. So, um, I circle around through the bottom, those bucks are feeding and I'm totally concealed by this like micro ridgeline that's in there and I know they're right over the top of it. So I'm trying to sneak and it's not just me, it's me and Carter, my cameraman. So there's two of us squeaking in the snow trying to get inside a bow range and like I, I just start to get to where I'm going to come over the top and I see these bucks coming across and they come across the micro ridgeline and they cross in front of me and they cross like actually in my bow range kind of quartered away, but they're just walking and I just, I don't have a chance to, to range, to draw, to try to stop them. So I just let them go as they're kind of walking away from me and they don't know I'm there. And so as they're walking, I let them get over the next ridgeline and then I make a move to the next ridgeline. So I'm just playing this cat and mouse. And this stock on these bucks lasted like a couple hours. It was um it was pretty killer. So I I go up and then um gosh, they'd cross that next ridgeline and so just catch them feeding over the top and so then I rock and roll there and I as I get there I can see them and um they're in bow range. I'm able to get out, get a range, and so I tell my cameraman, I'm like, hey, we're gonna do it here. We need to scoot out try to get some footage and then I'm going to try to shoot them right there and in hunting like these different conditions like I I have this advantage that I that I shoot year round that I have been so diligent and disciplined with my bow to to be able to obtain this really good accuracy and and what I've been able to also obtain is like this long range game right and and out west you know I don't hunt with a rifle I hunt with bow only and so hunting with bow only like you know I have to be able to to hunt these places and hunt them effectively and know that I can get into range so hunting in these conditions in this snow where I've got this squeak under my feet uh, hunting this open terrain, like hunting these different locations, you know, I do have this feather in my cap where I know I have a pretty good long-range game where if I sit on my shot, I can execute an accurate shot if I've got a good range that I can kill this animal in an extended range. And, you know, I, I'm not talking about, you know, shooting, uh, you know, way the heck out there across the football field or anything like that, but... You know, I am talking, you know, that 50, that 60, that 70, you know, even 80 yards if I need it. Like, I have that range in me. I know that I'm accurate. I know that if I execute a good shot, I can put a perfect arrow in this animal. And so that's what I get here is I come around the corner and I've got kind of a longer bow shot, but they're broadside. uh, They're on the hillside there. 
Um, you know, I, I don't really have another move I can make. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they can hear something in the snow and know something's up. They're just not sure what. So they're not just, um, they're not just, um, uh, feeding. They're kind of looking around for danger now. I think they've heard the squeak of the snow and they know that something just isn't quite right. I poke around the corner, see him broadside, tell my cameraman I'm going to shoot, get a good range and then draw back and then, you know, pin settles well like it's supposed to, pull, 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 shot breaks and whop. Hear the arrow hit. I watch the deer kick and um, it, it looks like a perfect shot to me. And uh, I throw my binos up, and I can see blood pouring out the offside. It was a pass-through, pouring out the offside. I'm like, man, that buck's dead. Nailed him. So I'm stoked. Like, um, gosh, able to show up in a new state. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd been hunting for a handful of days or whatever, but it's really my first chance at, like, a, a shooter buck in this place as I was just dialing in. I've seen some on the edge, but these are my first real mature bucks and able to cat and mouse like the stock was all time. Like it lasted for quite a while and then able to execute a perfect shot, put that arrow in the right spot, watch the bud pumping off the offside as he runs over the hill. And thank God that buck's dead. And, um, so, you know, give him an hour, 45 minutes or whatever. And I'm just sure he's going to be laying on the other side. I go grab my arrow and my my arrow, it it's not telling me the signs I want to see. It should be caked in red blood, and it's actually caked in blood, but it's got like some fat on it and things. I'm thinking, what in the heck? And um, so I get on the blood trail. Blood trail's pretty good. I've got fresh snow, and get on the blood trail and follow it. Then it starts to go uphill, and now you know I've played this game enough. I know what what hits look like and how deer react. And I know that this deer is now gone too far. Like he should have been dead by now. And I saw blood pumping off the offside, looked in the right spot, you know, tried to watch the video. The video looks like a good hit. And now like I can tell you guys, like, you know, I ended the story so I can tell you guys where the hit was. So there's this hit that I tell you guys about that's low and back. And this low and back, it doesn't quite get the liver real good. It's kind of like, you know, under the lungs, behind the heart. And, you know, I've actually like 12 ringed elk and hit them perfectly exactly where I was aiming and had that arrow come out low and back. I've done it with an antelope and with an elk and a few other animals in my career, animals with Buddy, and it just takes them a long time to die. And so this is a bit weird, but... I hit this buck almost halfway up the body. I'd say all of a third up the body, maybe even close to half. I don't think it was quite halfway, just below halfway. And it hit like back on the liver spot and it drove up through him. And because it was a longer shot, that arrow was coming down. And so it ended up coming out low, passed through him, busted the offside shoulder. And so... You know, I got through the chest and hit just about where I was aiming. It just took a weird angle as it kind of angled down and then out that shoulder and busted that shoulder. So definitely like depressurized the cavity of the brisket. So the buck is hurt bad and he's got a busted shoulder and he's bleeding good, but he just keeps going and going and he's going uphill. And um, so, you know, there's nothing that I can do in this situation. And, you know, I take the same shot over again. It's like, 
you know, I don't think the distance played a factor, you know, other than the arrow was coming down, you know, but man, you just like, you just do your best and you execute good shots. And most of the time they die. And I've had a really good season where, you know, I've hit everything really well and um, it's died right there. But this is like, you know, the, this is that random occurrence that can happen in bow hunting or in rifle hunting where you don't get to control where the hit is. And so, yeah, busted that offside shoulder. He's hit through the cavity. I think I've got partial liver, maybe one lung, but he just keeps going and going. And, um, man, I mean, so I come over the hill and I catch him and he's still trying to keep up with that other buck going uphill. They kind of disappear. I keep on the blood trail, and I get up, and I, I, I coming up to a coulee where he'd bed, so I approach real slowly, and I come over the top, and I catch him right there. But there's all these limbs in the way. I just can't get narrow through there, so I try to scoot to my right, and the buck never looks my way, never catches movement, but must have heard that squeak through the snow, and he bolts again. Gosh, now I'm blood trailing again, and a couple hundred yards turns into a few hundred yards, and then... Gosh, I keep catching up to this buck like I, I caught up to him again and he was in that those stunted cottonwoods I was telling you guys about. And there is just not a window for my arrow to get through there. Like he's only 40 yards away. The first time he was only like 15 or 20 yards away. Now he's in these will and I just can't get a shot. And I think about trying to poke one through there and I've played that game enough. I just know that my arrow is going to hit off these limbs. There's no window in there. I've just got to stand there and wait and hope he comes out of there and then he bolts again. So it's like, you know, I'm I'm definitely not stoked at the situation I'm in where I've I've got a a a, a buck hit, you know, and it's not a perfect shot, but you know, it's like you can't ever have these shots back or these decisions back. Now it's just my job to finish them off no matter what happens. Like I've got to try to finish this buck. And as I trail them, those, you know, they're supposed to be 40 mile an hour winds that day. The winds start picking up. They start getting pretty gnarly. And I catch this buck and I think his third bed and I see him first. So I spot him bedded in there and I have this approach and I sneak around and, um, I sneak around and then I can get I'm, I get to like 60 yards on him or whatever. And um, I'm kind of like behind this knob and he stands up again. And I think, oh, I just got to put another one in him. And I try to hold my bow and it is like trying to hold in a 30 mile an hour wind. And I execute a shot. My arrow blows absolutely sideways in the wind and I miss. I end up shooting right in front of him. I tried to to lead him with the wind and, um, you know, it, it didn't blow over as hard as I thought the wind would. It did affect my hold, which made my hold really tough, and I missed him. And I was like, well, you know, at this point, I've been trailing this buck for a couple hours. This is the third bet I've caught him in. Like, he has taken me all over this mountain. And there's nothing I can do. It's like, I just got to finish him off. I just got to sneak up on him. And, you know, then he goes a long time. You know, now I've, I've shot at him. He knows I'm after him. And um, just keep trying to make sense out of the blood and out of the tracks. And he mingles with other deer tracks. And I just keep after him. I mean, uh, I'm like a like a wolf or a coyote. I just will not let it go. As long as I've got blood, as long as I've got this deer's track, I will follow this thing until I finish him off. Like, whatever that ha- wherever that happens to be, however long it takes, whatever it takes. Like, I've got to finish this buck off. And so... I finally, 
like uh, uh, and missed him that time, trail him again through the bottom, um, man, just trail him all over. And finally, I tell my cameraman, I'm like, hey, there's two of us making noise here. You know, he had looped us all the way back around towards the truck. I'm like, you know, it's freezing cold. It's blowing 30 miles an hour. Like, I think I've got a better chance if I just go at him solo. I'm making less noise. Like, you know, we, this, you know, Right now, the the film is not my priority. The priority is getting this buck killed and finish what I started. Like you go, you go warm up in the truck. Here's the keys. I'm gonna continue trailing this buck until I get him down. I'll call you when I get him down. So now it's just me. I'm quieter. Sneak, you know, around. And not that he was making a bunch of noise. Just two people. And finally, I. I think he's going to bed in this draw. There's a bunch of trees. I can kind of get a feeling when he's going to bed again because I'll I'll come into these trees, and he's obviously hurt. But, um, you know, I just don't... Like, you have to make these decisions on a hunt. It's like, do you... Do you leave the buck and let him sit for a few hours or, or throughout the day and die and then go take up the blood trail and follow to your dead deer? Or do I have to get another arrow in this buck? And at this time, I don't know exactly where the hit is. I know the hits, like I have a feeling it's in that brisket and I know the offside shoulder is busted, but I'm not sure where that arrow went or the damage that it did. And so from, you know, from my assessment, I know that that shoulder's busted. I think I've got to get another arrow into this buck. Like a shoulder injury isn't going to kill this buck. Now, in hindsight, you know, maybe that liver shot would have done it. He would have died throughout the night, could have followed his blood trail. But at the time, I just think I've got to get another arrow into this buck. So I finally trail him to this draw where I feel like he's going to bed down and I really slow down. Now I've got some wind noise that, you know, hides my approach. And, um, I'm able to just sneak and just sneak and just sneak and um, come up over the top. I don't see him in there. You know, your mind starts to wander and go, oh, maybe he's not in here. And finally, like, I catch his antlers right there. And so then when he puts his head down, I'm able to move a little bit more over the rise and just expose a little bit more of his body. And I'm, I'm just, like, slow playing this thing. Like, I spent 15 minutes within 10 yards of this thing, like, just trying to get up over the rise where I can get an arrow. And now... My angle isn't great as he's bedded away from me, but I do just need to get another arrow in this buck. I've jumped him out of his bed three or four times. Like, I missed him. Like, I just, I got to get another shot into this buck. And so uh, I'm able to angle a shot, like, down and into him. Like, I I didn't, you know, Texas heart shoot him or anything like that. But my angle was a pretty tight window where I actually had to drive it, like, down through his body. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I'm 10 yards away, so I'm able to execute a really good shot, uh, able to put another one in him. He rolls over, and then um, he actually gets up, sprints, and then dies, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 yards away or something like that. So, oh, man. It's just like it felt so good to, like, close it out, and I just feel bad that that buck had to suffer or that I couldn't make that quick, clean kill that I wanted. But... You know, bow hunting doesn't always happen the way we want it. Like, these circumstances happen, and what are you going to do? Just give up and go home? Or or you trail that buck, you get another arrow in him, you finish what you started. And so, you know, I am proud of my effort. I wish the, the first arrow would have done its job. It was not a bad shot on the first arrow. It just took a weird angle through him. And maybe it glanced off a rib. Maybe it was the downhill from the longer shot or, like, that, that downward trajectory. Or maybe it's just circumstance, and I tell you guys that low and back hit is a tough one on animals, but 
I am proud that I was able to trail him up, finish him off, uh, call my cameraman, and just really enjoy the day of processing the buck. And um, you know, happy for the happy for the meet, happy for the hunt, happy to learn a new spot. And then the best place to learn these, the best time to learn these new areas are right during season. So this is a state I'd like to hunt in the future. We take care of this buck, and it's like, well, you know, I've got the week. Like I want to scout for at least another day or two and just try to see if I can put my eyes on some bucks. And so, you know, I wanted to, like, go forward with the plan that I had made to try to find these deer. And I did end up finding more shooters. I found a really wide, big, heavy three. It might have been a three-by-four. Another big four-point was with that group. They were rutting. Found another tall four-point. Uh, so I was able to like find some nice bucks and then able to like further my knowledge in these places. So if you can ever scout during the hunting season that you plan to hunt, it's like such a great time to learn an area, learn where the deer are. And so I was able to like further my knowledge in that place and we'll probably go back and hunt it again and stoked for a real good, heavy, mature prairie buck. And so stoked. It's like, you know, and and really that caps off my late season. You know, I talked about you know, my early season, like I had a couple hunts that I, you know, one regret that I located, you know, one of the biggest deer I've chased in the last few years, like one that's pushing that magical 200 inch mark. And I had three days to hunt the hunt because I had to get back to film an elk hunt. You know, I got construction work, had a hunt previous to that. Like I was just booked a little tight. And it's like really one of my regrets from the season is not being able to give that deer more effort. Like, knowing what a caliber, what caliber that deer was, um, you know, I, I should have put off the elk hunt. I should have spent as many days as it takes. And I, I learned my lesson. I'll do that in the future. And to kill next level bucks takes next level effort. And that's next level effort in scouting and in hunting. And I can't expect to go kill a 200 inch deer with three days worth of effort, you know? And so anyways, I talked about, you know, I got on here and talked at my lowest low of the season when I had failed on two muley hunts back to back. Um, you know, I I had um, I I had elk hunted with my cameraman and had done six or seven days and was unsuccessful. And I got on here and I told you guys like hard work pays off. Like this effort will pay off. I have worked on my skill set all year long. I'll get my chances and I'll put good arrows in these animals. And once you know it, like the next week I arrow a bull and then arrow a late season buck and then arrow this late season buck. And, you know, really able to not turn my season around, but, you know, able to make good on the, the promises that I made myself on my goals for this season, you know, and, and the year prior, I was trying to move my house and trying to finish building my house and I had my wife in the hospital for a bit and so like my November was cut pretty short and I wasn't able to kill a late season deer so that carries over from my not regret but you know just from my year prior of not being able to kill a late season deer that I really wanted to make good on my late season hunt so felt pretty good to arrow that good mature buck and now you know, I'm left. I've got one more muley hunt left, and uh, it was good. I stacked the deck this year where I had a bunch of hunts, and sometimes, you know, I can't give those hunts my full effort, like that one early season hunt that I'm talking about where I only gave it three days because I had, you know, I had a bunch of tags in my pockets and in my pocket and a bunch of hunts lined up. 
Um, so, you know, it can work against me as well, but this year I had a pretty good schedule and I had these deer hunts lined up. And so back to work, get as much done as I can, trying to get this roof on. I'm working evenings, working with my headlamp, just trying to get a bunch of stuff done. So, uh, I can go on this last late season hunt and I did see some rut action on that hunt, but it was late October, early November. So this last hunt are prime rut dates. Um, so prime rut dates, it, big mountains, deep snow, bitter cold, and, um, I couldn't be more stoked to go on this hunt. So, um, I shoot down, I've got like a long weekend I can go for opener. So I miss opening day. I wish I could have made opening day. It's just trying to get work done and responsibilities, but, uh, went for like a three day weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, man, it was action. It was like it was great to see a good healthy population of mountain deer. They fared well over the winter. I saw uh, all different age class of bucks and then also um, saw these does with fawns and it was dry dirt, which is so nice. It's like dry dirt is way better for us bow hunters than snow. It's like snow just makes it more difficult and I can't control the conditions. All I can do is hunt my hardest with what I'm dealt, but you know, I've got some good conditions on this one, dry dirt, and uh, able to find a shooter, like, gosh, I, f I found one, and I haven't spooked many deer this year, and I made pretty good on my stocks, but I was stalking, or I was hunting down this ridge line that I really like, and this ridge line, I was spotting deer over to my left, like in those stunted cottonwoods, I'm not even sure, I think that's what those trees are, I'm going to have to look it up after the podcast, or maybe you guys can correct me on here. It's not, um, definitely not Aspens, but like these stunted, oh no, I'm sorry. So it is stunted cottonwoods where I'm hunting in the Badlands, I believe is what they are. And then these are Aspens on this new hunt that I'm talking about. So sorry for the confusion, but these are, uh, Aspens. The Aspens lose their leaves and then these deer are in the Aspens. So as I'm hunting down this ridgeline, I can kind of glass up all these deer in these Aspens and I'm just hunting my way down. And this is where my mistake came is like all of a sudden I hear this deer bounding and I can see like this basin down below me like 200 yards. And I think that's where I can hear the deer bounding. And so I like hustle to the edge to like catch sight of the deer to see if there's a buck chasing a doe or see what kind of deer they are. And as I kind of hustle to the edge, like that 10 yards to the edge, I spot like this giant buck that's looking at me at like 30 yards right there. And then he bounds off. So my mistake was when I first heard the deer bound, I think that deer had like heard me walking like or heard something and he started bounding, but then he stayed frozen right there. And then I hustled that 10 yards to the edge and exposed myself. I just, I thought he was like 200 yards down below me from where I heard the noise. So I spooked that buck. He was like a really good heavy shooter. And, um, I think he was just like a tall three and I would like to get a better look at him, but, uh, pretty sure he was a shooter and I'll, I'll shoot a big heavy three point. Like all I need is, is age and mass and a good frame outside his ears. Like, you know, I know what I'm looking for in a shooter, what gets me excited and it's, you know, uh, unit dependent and, um, you know, also season dependent, you know, whether I'm hunting early season or late season, but this would have been like a good representation for this unit. And, um, I'm pretty sure it was like a big tall three and I did chase a three on this hunt. So, uh, dove way down into this spot and, um, had to go for it. Like I say, cramped up my cameraman the one day he did really good, but we just put in a big day 
and um, went for it with a lot of climbing and that. And found this um, big three point. I played the game with them quite a bit, and it's just like circumstance. It's um, you know these these mule deer have such keen instincts that I'm not going to kill every one I go after. You know, if I catch the right one in the right spot, sure it can come together. But yeah, just circumstances where. You know, not that I'm trying to force it, but with muley hunting, I hunt pretty aggressive. So I see a buck I want, and it's like, go make a play down to where he's at, and, and then I adapt to the situation which I'm given, because they're constantly moving, may not get a chance at that buck the next day. I mean, there is a, a time to be patient and wait for the right opportunity, or there is no play, but pretty much if I can get away with it, or if I can make a play on these deer, I'm going to go for them. And so, you know, catch this buck, and Man, it was just, um, God, he betted on this ridge line with the does. I thought I had a perfect play at him. I, I'm still to this day not sure what happened, but I hold up at like a couple hundred yards from him, and I'm glassing all the does there. It could be 150 yards from him. I've actually seen a buck bet on this ridge line before, a giant shooter, and this buck's like a really good one. He's like tall and heavy and bladed and dark horns and old, like has this big mature mule deer body on him. I'm like, man, that thing's a shooter. So uh, he's on this ridge line, and I hold up 150 yards. I haven't exposed myself, and like I think, I don't think I spooked him. I think the buck ran over into the does. The does got up, and then he started chasing does, and then they just start relocating out of this ridge line, and so they just start making their way around the hill, around the basin. So, you know, at the time, I wasn't sure if I had, like, spooked him or if my wind had swirled, but I just had perfect wind. I hadn't exposed myself at all for them to see movement. None of the deer had looked in my direction. I just don't think I spooked him. I think that buck got into those does and chased him up, and they went around the corner. And so then I, like, went over the top to go cut him off and uh, come over the top, and then there's another buck that I hadn't seen. That's like one of the crazy things about rut action is there's like multiple bucks, multiple does. It's just action and excitement. So come over. There's a great big two-point chasing a doe. I thought it was him at first, and then it wasn't. And um, I roll over. I look for him all the way to the right. Can't find him. I kind of like, and, and this is one of the great things about muley hunting and hunting these bucks. Like I've developed this like sense of where these bucks are headed or what they're going to do. And I'm not right all the time, but I've got pretty good intuition of where these bucks are headed, where they're held up at. Like they got to be somewhere and, and how they move through country. And so like a lot of times I'm losing sight of these bucks and I'm able to go, okay, I think he went around this corner. I think he's around the side hill. That's exactly what I did when this buck disappeared. I'm trying to like theorize where this buck went, where, uh, where he's going to end up. And I was spot on. He like, I couldn't find him to the right, went over to the left. And then I'm like, okay, we need to come down off that knob and like sit off that knob and kind of just glass around and see if we can pick him back up. And as I'm working my way to the knob, I get like 150 yards away from the knob. Maybe I'm 200 yards away from the knob. And all of a sudden I see a buck. I go, oh man, freeze right there he doesn't see us and so hold up and kind of get like sit down in the grass and one of the mistakes that guys make too is as soon as they see a deer or an elk they squat down and then the deer or elk sees that movement and then they're on to you but if they're not looking at you then you do want to get sat down so you don't have this stand up 
humanoid profile, you know, where they can pick you out even though you're holding still. So he was able to look away. We were able to crouch down and then just watch him off this knob. And it's that big two point again. He had circled back around this knob. And um, he rolled up. I thought he was actually going to roll by us in bow range, but he rolled just out of bow range or whatever and rolled up by us. And now we're here. We've got a good visual. I can glass a bunch of this country, and so I start glassing around. So that buck really held us up from getting to that knob, but I'm, you know, 200 yards from it or 180 yards from it. I start glassing around, and then all of a sudden that big three shows right up on that knob with some does. If I just... If I would have made my way down to that knob or if I you know, wouldn't have seen that buck or spooked that buck, I mean, who knows what would have happened. But if I would have been sitting off that knob like I wanted to, that buck would have walked right by me in bow range. But nonetheless, he's on the knob, he's rutting does, and when these bucks are really rutting, they like stop feeding they um uh they just all they do is they either chase does or they stand there and look around for other bucks or other does or danger whatever they're looking for and that's the case with this buck he's not feeding at all he's um he's just looking for does or just rutting so hard and so I wait, his does kind of feed there, and I have to give them about 15 minutes, and they make their way over the rise. And so then I hustle down over the rise, and I, I cut him off and get, you know, get behind him. And he's like, I can see him down there, he's in bow range, but he gets behind some trees, and then the does keep working away from me, the buck works away from me, so now I'm in this cat and mouse. And the cat and mouse is really what I love, you know. So I'm, I'm able to move like after they roll over a rise or after, you know, I've got some cover, some trees in my way and I'm able to make my way down and able to keep the element of surprise and just keep trying to get into these deer. And I finally get down into this big aspen bottom, figure they're going to bed in there. and So I get pretty close and then, you know, I'm just glassing in the aspens and the aspens and I pick out the does and I'm able to sneak within 60 yards of the does it's pretty tough shooting lanes in those aspens, but I've got a couple different shooting lanes where if that that buck comes in one of those shooting lanes, I can kill him. And then, man, I mean, I don't know how long I sat there, 60 yards from those deer, maybe 40 minutes or so. Finally, one of the does gets up, and uh, she starts moving like away from me in those aspens, and then I see the buck up, and he doesn't come through my shooting lane. He kind of chases that deer and rutting that doe and they kind of get into this thick timber and this thick cover and so kind of figure well they're in this thick cover I don't want to go in after him and blow him up in there like we'll just back up to the vantage point we'll grab a, a good vantage point we'll use our glass we'll pick him out tonight when he comes into an open park and we'll go down and kill him and so we get up to a vantage point I actually glassed up quite a few other bucks like I was seeing five to ten bucks a day maybe even a touch more, and I did glass up two other bucks with a doe. Pretty good spot. The one was a three-point, and he was big and heavy and wide. He just didn't have, like, good front tines. I mean, he was probably, like, just under what I wanted to shoot, but he was big and old, you know, which is what I look for. And so I hemmed and hawed at that buck for quite a while. I got him in the scope. They're bedded in the perfect place. They're just quite a ways away on another ridge line, and I kind of him and haw whether I should make a play and I think no I should hold out for that real big three that I was chasing like that one was a good buck that I know I'll be super stoked with if I can kill you know I I should pass this buck and give him another year or um let him grow a little bit and so I pass up that buck and you know I did pass quite a few bucks this long weekend um 
man, I'm I'm trying to think. There was another three by four that I spotted that was like right on the edge. He just wasn't quite mature enough. He wasn't big and heavy. And I actually had that buck a couple times. I had him that morning. I spotted him by himself. And then that evening I spotted him coming into some does and could have made a play on him and decided not to. And, um, you know, it's always the challenge with these, these hunts is like finding a buck that you're stoked with, like with the right age class. And that big heavy three was definitely it. So I sit up there till evening. I glass, I glass, you know, and I, I was able to pick out some different deers, a one horn three point that was just rutting like crazy that all over the hillside. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely seeing deer and seeing bucks. I just like, that's the one shooter I'd seen in the area, that big heavy three. And I never see him come out that evening. So with, you know, like a half an hour left of light, I'm like, well, we should probably hunt our way back. And I just come over top the ridge and start coming back behind me back to the, uh, you know, we've got a long ways to go. <laughs> like, I don't even know how many miles we got, how much climbing we have, but we're going to be hiking a lot in our headlamp. We got in there. We left two hours before light to get in there with our headlamps. And so we've got at least two hours of headlamp work, plus whatever light we have left, probably three hours. We've got quite a ways to go. But I come over top that ridgeline, and um, that buck had circled all the way back again behind me. Like, talk about peak rut. And, um, man, I kind of spook him there. Like, not kind of. I did. He saw us. Like, we came over the ridge. I had glassed that basin throughout the day and throughout the evening, and I had seen a couple does in there. I watched them work out. I watched the one horn three point come in there and grab a doe and head out. And it's a fairly open hillside. I just thought I had everything dialed in there. So once we packed up with a half an hour left of light, I was just rolling country and going to get to that next ridge and then glass. I knew where some does were. I was going to check them out and I came over the top and there's that dang buck in that bottom. That one I wanted to shoot It circled miles all the way around me and uh, ended up blowing them up spooking him he goes over the hill never to be seen again by me anyways and um so we roll like um it started to um snow and um i was up high on the mountain and the roads get really gnarly up there so um starting to snow it's coming in and it's like well i really don't want to be trapped up here we're gonna have to go hunt some new country and you know, here there's this new spot I want to go check out. So we roll out, and I think at this point, you know, we've been hunting a couple days, or we're down to our last day. Roll to this new spot, and it's just a crappy day to hunt. It's like, you know, clouded in on the mountains, and then snowing sideways, north wind comes up blowing, but, um, yeah, it's my last day to hunt, so it's like, well, gotta, gotta give it the old college try anyways. And so we go out for a hike in this snowstorm you know and wouldn't you know it this like group of aspens i see a couple does in there and then all of a sudden just see this hammer of a buck and um now this is um real deal holyfield like just like this big old heavy dark horn great forks on the back great forks on the front wide just a specimen of a mule deer like good 180 inch mule deer maybe it was high 170s but looked to be 180 inches to me just a great buck but it's a snowstorm blowing sideways and he's chasing these two does and they go up over top and I try to cut him off so I get on the back side of this draw and I'm hustling like again it comes down to those instincts of trying to know where these deer are going to go so I know these deer are going to head towards the saddle so I'm dang near running trying to get to this saddle 
and I was just late getting there. They pop over the saddle I, exactly where I thought he was going to come, and he's 120 yards or whatever, and so they come over the saddle. All I can do is crouch down and watch them. They don't know I'm hunting them, and then they disappear, and they're in this other draw, and so, like... They just disappeared. I don't know when they've stopped, where they're going. I don't know where they're going to end, where they're going to bed. But I come to the next draw, the next big draw, and it's like a big draw with sage in the bottom and some aspens on the side. I'm like, man, this looks like where he's going to bed. So I start looking over to, over the top. And this is the right approach is to like look over the top and glass down in this drainage and try to glass them up as I expose myself. But the problem is, is my wind is bad. It's like trying to blow up the draw or almost into the draw. And the farther I go up the draw, it's blowing. And it's like, well, I can't have my wind wrong and give him my wind if he is in here. So I can't look over the top like I want to. I got to go cross this draw low and then get on the other side and then glass back on the other side of this draw. At least then I have my wind right, but it's fairly open. So I go down, I cross the draw, I start coming up the side, and I'm glassing, and all of a sudden I see two deer stand up. Oh no, it's these two does, and they've kind of caught me. Now, my approach isn't great on this draw, I'm pretty exposed. Now, you know, I should have been able to glass them up in their bed, but these mule deer can just disappear laying in the sage. And part of this is just like being aggressive, as this is my last hunt, and then I've got to head home. And uh, I've got to come back to the unit. And so I'm just trying to do everything I can do with this buck located late morning, snow blowing sideways. And I jumped the two does. Now the the buck sat there in range, but there was just no shot through the sage and that. And he tried to just lay low and let the does run out and like he was just going to lay there and not do anything. And so, you know, I'm actually able to get a range and kind of see him, but there's just no clear shot. And eventually he bolts. And then I spend the rest of the day looking for him, like go over two more draws, try to glass the draws, snow and blowing sideways, coming back. It's just like it it stings when the snow is hitting me in the face. But um, yeah, and I come back and I actually glass up a buck. I thought it was him, glassed up a buck and a bunch of does or at least a handful of does. I think I saw three does in there. And I thought it was him. I just caught a glimpse of him through the Aspens. And so I made a play down on him, got down in there, got to 30 yards and saw him. And it was like a big two by three. It wasn't the it wasn't the big 180 that I had seen. And I, I just I thought it was the same buck, the glimpse I got, but uh, passed him at 30 and then uh, bailed out of there. But I've got this new spot to hunt for the for the next week. And so I go home, got to get some more work done and then start plotting and planning and getting ready. And now I'm going to have like a handful of days over there, like five, six days. And I'm going to have my buddies over there. And so I'm stoked. Um, but while I'm gone, the epic snowstorm hits and dumps about a foot and a half full of snow. So I can't get up high in the mountains again anymore. And um, I can get to the spot where I saw that 180. Um, so I show up there you know, drive half the night and show up there. Oh, I, no. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't drive half the night. I drove um, daylight through the snowstorm, and I got there with an hour left of light, and it was snowing and clouded in and couldn't see much, so I went for a walk in there, and it was kind of like still hunting and definitely saw some tracks, but I uh, picked out a couple does, but that was it. I only had about an hour before... Um, before it was dark and then um, slept 
And then the next morning, I get up and I couldn't, I couldn't like the the night before I'd hunted it. There was so much snow, a foot and a half. It just made it tough to get around. So I thought, well, I'm just gonna go check out some other areas. Oh, and it was clouded in that next morning, so uh, just in the clouds, couldn't glass. So I figured, well, I'm gonna go check out some other areas, see if I can't find some deer. So I ended up hunting another day or so. Oh yeah, on another day, went into one of my favorite drainages, kind of where I chased the big three, but came in from the bottom because I couldn't make it from the top anymore. And just grab this master vantage point in there. I think I'd seen five or six bucks that day, but just nothing I wanted to shoot. Uh, but it it was really fun as I was putting on big miles in the snow up into the mountains, up into the spot. And um, just kind of hunting around. But then I returned back to that spot I had found where I'd seen the big 180. He was just on my mind in there, just trying to find that big one. And um, so, you know, I'm trying to learn this place from scratch. So I grab a good vantage point in the morning and um, catch a doe in a spot. And then same spot that doe was, I catch a buck. And I look, and there's like a bunch of heat waves. It's one of those mornings where it's like zero degrees or five below or something. It's pretty bitter cold. But there's a bunch of heat waves coming up. And I just see a real tall buck. And I see he's got dark, heavy horns and a big body on him. And I don't know exactly what he is, but I... Figure well, I got one, got one located. Better make a play, and um, so I made a play. Still, just a pile of snow, and he was way up at the top of the mountain. So it took me a while to get around, and once I got around, I just tried to grab a vantage point of where he was, and I actually caught him and his doe bedded on like an open sage hillside. And I get out the scope and I look at him. And, you know, I can see him a little bit better. I just still can't tell if he's quite there or not. Until he's tall, heavy-horned. I'm like, man, is he a, he's a four on the one side, three on the other side. Doesn't look like he's got the biggest forks, but, God, he looks, he looks heavy and old, you know. And so I decide I'm going to make a play on him that I think he's a shooter, and I'll make my final assessment when I get in close. Um, it was a big climb up the mountain through the snow, but I'm able to climb around. He's just, he's bedded in the perfect spot with this doe if he just stays there. And a lot of times they don't stay, but, um, this one did as I snuck around and then come over the top and I catch his horns right there and he's like 48 yards and he's bedded and he has no idea I'm there in the snow. I've snuck right up on him. It's cold as all get out. Like I had to have on my gloves or fingers in my pocket and I had to wait for him to stand for about 45 minutes and I glassed him with my binos and just look at him and I'm like man he's got heavy bases he's got eye guards and man that three side he's really bladed on his third he's really heavy he's outside his ears he's tall like that's a shooter and um so it's definitely a buck I wanted to kill and uh he's with that doe eventually that doe stands up after quite a while, and she kind of feeds around, like, any time now, any time now. He kind of let her feed around for quite a while. And uh, as we're getting into December, so we're getting into, you know, late in the rut or whatever. And so um, finally he stands up and um, doesn't know him there. And uh, it's just kind of feeding right there. And then I've got a quartered away shot. And I'm like, gosh, should I wait for a better shot? And then he just kind of angles a little bit more and he gives me that window. And so it's quartering away, which I love quartering away shots. And he's 48 yards. I know I can put the pin and put that arrow where I need it. And um, so able to draw back and execute a good shot on him. And um, 
able to put him down. And so, like, he ran down in the draw and never came out. I didn't hear that thud of the arrow like I normally do. I was pretty sure I hit him. My execution was just flawless. I mean, it's 48, settled my pin, pull, 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 execute. Like, he sprints off. But I just, I didn't hear that arrow hit, and I didn't see it hit. But I'm sure I've nailed him. And then I, I didn't see him come out of the draw or out of the bottom out of there. So, like, I'm I'm sure... I'm sure that he's down in there and, and dead and that I've nailed him, you know, and, and sure enough, down in there. And, um, yeah, put a good shot on him, angled quarter way, exited out the far side shoulder and um, went in about the last rib or so, so like a good quartering away shot, able to finish him. So, oh, man, it's like it's just been a heck of a season. It's just so fun to embark on this. I think I had six or seven days hunting down there in that unit, able to chase some some great bucks around really stoked with this one as he's heavy and old and um yeah just a great buck so it's um and, and to be able to kill him it's such a high degree of difficulty in that deep snow like that the snow makes for real challenges i'm getting into post rut and so yeah i was i was happy to capitalize on the opportunity when i found this buck as i as i don't opportunities weren't going to come real easy in this unit during this time frame so yeah stoked with the buck and um, pretty much wraps up my season. I, I may, I got an invite to go on a cat hunt, which is like more watching the dogs work than it is like archery skill set. But I hear it's like a good adventure and I've never done it. So like I may try that out. So I've got a buddy that's invited me. So I may go do that to kind of wrap up my season. But I think that's about it for me. But it's it's been such a full season and such a great adventure. And I've been able to like mule deer and elk are just the coolest animals to hunt and um if i could just do that till the day i die i'd be a happy man but yeah it gets me thinking about next season and the prep and you know i i really had ideas in fact i'm gonna have to get on and record another solo for you guys like just about my plans for next season like um um man just what i want to do and it didn't take long. I started training pretty good here towards this last hunt and um, now that I've been finished up. So really been training pretty good for the last two or three weeks. And, and really, you know, I've like tried to really think about what I want to do next year, what I want to accomplish. And so, you know, my goals for next season is to still hunt these animals that I like in the West, the deer and the elk, like is the funnest stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think also... You know, I'd like to have more time during the hunting season. And, you know, I had great time and went on a bunch of adventures this year and like really no regrets. But, you know, there there are like that early season deer that I found that I only hunted for two, three days. If I could have given that thing 10 days, I mean, I could have killed a 200 inch deer. And so I think like when I find those opportunities, I've got to go for it. And then also like just setting my standards pretty high. Like I've gotten to where I'm really proficient at this Western bow hunting, at finding them, at stalking them, at shooting them. So, you know, that means that my, my goal animals can go up. And, you know, the fun for me is making plays and bow hunting them and playing this cat and mouse game. And so it's not like I, I want to look for a world record and never kill an animal like just that animal. But I think I can set some pretty high standards on myself. And if I eat some tags along the way, I eat some tags. But I think I think I can kill some some real giants. And and not, you know, I'm happy with all the animals I harvested this year and I love the meat and I've gotta fill my freezer every year. But I just think if I if I if I 
just like we've got to find the motivation right and so like the motivation for me is like always thinking about what could have been or like these these great big critters that are out there and so like there is no limit to what I'm capable of and if I've got the time like next level bucks takes next level effort and so you know I want to get my work to a better place next year and you guys heard me talk like right after I finished my house you know, talking about wrapping up construction. And that's still the plan. I'm going to wrap up these last couple homes. I'm going to pass the business off to dad. And I have this opportunity to be able to focus on 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 hunting, like um, on the podcast, on my writing, on my filming. And, um, you know, I've been able to get myself out of debt in a good financial position to where I can do that. And, you know, I, I may have to go back to construction or take on a project, but I just can't continue to take house after house because the deal is, is like I get my time to hunt, but it, I have like this responsibility to these homeowners when I line up these jobs that I'm going to get their job done in a timely manner. And so it's really tough to take off and I take off and I make it work. And, um, but it, it just doesn't, I, I don't, it, it's not the same leadership when I'm gone or the same responsibility as I feel like I've made a promise to these clients. And so I've got to watch out for their best interests and make sure things are getting done. And the job just doesn't get managed like I manage it. And when I'm responsible for everything and have promised these homeowners a quality house in a timely manner and it's not getting done that way, like I feel the pressure. And not that I have ever slipped on my responsibilities or what I do, but I feel the pressure during hunting season. That's why I could only hunt for three days. That's why I can only go for four days. And then I'm having to send emails and texts and keep into communication and line up this sub. And I just don't want that that pressure. I've got myself to a position where I don't need to have that pressure where I can really focus on my hunting during hunting season. And not to say, like, I built my whole name, my whole reputation from working hard. And there's parts of me that is like, you know, I love construction. I love being able to put these things together and build a quality home for a homeowner. I love like putting my bags on day after day and doing all the carpentry work and having to grind and work that eight, 10 hours a day and get the roof on and get the siding done, get the house framed up, do the high stuff. Like I really enjoy that. I just, when it comes to hunting season, I want to have this time where I can really focus on the hunt. So for me to hit my next level, like we're all in different places in our careers and in our, our hunting. And for me to hit this next level of what I want to accomplish, I've got to commit myself to it. So that's the key to me. And I think all of us have to look at our skill sets and where we can improve. Right. And so like, I'm pretty well-rounded, like, um, you know, I've been doing this Western hunting game for the last 25 years, and I've gotten really proficient at going to new places, finding animals, my e-scouting, my research. I've gotten really proficient at, at finding critters, making stocks, and placing good arrows, and keeping my cool. So, I, you know, I've I've got this, I've got this skill set that I've built over the years that's really good. But for me to take it to the next level, I need a total commitment. And next level bucks take next level effort and so you know I haven't been scouting in the summer as the summer's busy construction work and so I need to get back to this where I scout these units that I draw and really look for what's available in these units or uh, what is the maximum trophy potential in these units so I need to scout them harder I need to spend the days hunting them and, and be able to not worry about a cameraman or not worry about 
uh, a construction project that I get back to and just giving myself the whole season or the 10 days or the 12 days instead of these three days or five days, you know. So that to me, like if I want to hit this this next level success this next season, like that's a that's a big step for me or something that would really help. And like I say, it's, um, you know, I know I can pay my bills and I know I'm in a, you know, I've got all my debt down where everything's paid for, where I don't have to make much money a month. So like I've got this opportunity to be able to really focus on this, on, on these Western hunts and see what I'm capable of, see what I can accomplish. And also it's like, you know, work harder on the film side to put good films together, work harder on this podcast to do more live podcasts and really search out the guests I want to have on. And, and also, you know, just not be burning the candle at both ends. Like, you know, and, and we all keep busy. We all have busy lives. But just the juggling of life for me is, you know, especially doing a personal house, but, you know, just trying to run two houses and then, you know, having to run two podcasts, having to do the writing, having to do all the bookwork and ordering and lining up subs on these two houses, having a family, trying to not miss any of my daughter's volleyball games or basketball games, trying to go on family vacations, you know, just uh, trying to, like, I get in my workouts and my runs and I shoot my bow. Like, you know, if there was a three-sided candle that was burning, I definitely have it. Like, I just keep myself so busy, and I love keeping busy, don't get me wrong, but you know, we use so much of our energy, you know, in, in our, in our jobs and we need to work and provide. That's a big part of who I am, but they have just afforded myself the opportunity where at least I can take a season or two and put my full effort into it and see what I can do and not be worried about, uh, these other things. And I almost slip right back into it. Like I had, you know, I've got these two houses I'm going to finish up from the last time I told you guys this, I, took one of those houses I had to take. It was a previous client, but I just, you know, I also have to turn over Barney Construction in a good place. And during that inflation time, I had good bids on houses, but I've told these people I'm going to do this house for this price. So I'm stuck to these bids and I got stuck in some bids where inflation bit me a bit. And so, you know, I have to make sure that Barney Construction's in a good place when I pass it off. So, you know, I had to take one more house and, um, and that's where I'm at. And I've got the one house framed up now. I'm working on the the siding on it and we'll start finishing the inside. The other place just got it sheetrocked and finishing the inside. So I'm really close. And, you know, I just I just find myself like I gotta you know, like I almost you know, I'm out of Barney construction and I almost like purchase another personal investment in a house that I'm just gonna remodel on my own and sell. And I think, what in the heck are you doing? Like you're jumping right back into it. It's like, oh sure you're not running a house for Barney construction for a client, but now you've got your life savings invested into a remodel that you're gonna do that's surely gonna carry over to hunting season that you're gonna be working on, where you're just gonna trade one stress for another. So I have to I have to just keep my mind right and get to this end goal that I'm working towards and and I'm going to get there and I'm going to do it. But and, and you know not that I need to explain it to you guys like I just like let you know where I'm coming from or to my next level and then as I look at things it's like you know I noticed my run with Cam where I'd go out and do a marathon like man that guy's in super good shape like I can be in better shape and push myself further and I've just been maintaining 
throughout the years, and I'm really good at consistent runs every day and getting a long one every week, but I can, I need to push that long run further. And I looked at like, you know, I've been thinking about trying to do a hundred miler, but really my sport is bow hunting and a hundred miler burns me out on running. And then I need time to recover. And that's really not trying to like peak during hunting season, like what I really want. So, you know, I do want to do one of those races at some point in my life, but for now, like I just want to train and try to optimize for this hunting season. And so I want to keep my daily runs, but I want to up my mileage. I think it's about volume. And during these hunts, we have to be able to put on miles and then elevation. And so my plan is, is just to mix in some of these 20 plus mile adventure runs, and then also mix in this peak grabbing in the summertime as I want to climb a lot of these peaks in the summertime. Um, you know, where I go do 5,000 feet of vert, 7,000 feet of vert, 10,000 feet of vert, and make it a whole day, 20 plus mile run, and just push my limits of what my body's capable of to be able to give more. And so that's like one way that I want to improve. And, you know, like I'm always talking about these different facets of hunting that I, that I work on, like, um, you know, it's just a base principle for me where I can look at these different skill sets and I'm definitely not short on any of them, but I think I can improve all of them and it goes for my shooting as well. Like I've been working with this lift, man, and this new lift bow is just shooting and getting great performance out of it. So yeah, I mean, I really want to work with this bow and part of, you know, the bow, what I want to do, like I'm always shooting really well and accurate and I, I've been able to transfer my good shooting in animals. I think where I can take it to the next level, shooting more uh, indoor this winter, I've got my indoor range. And then, um, I think as well is just making sure I keep this tune in this bow. I do notice that my strings start to stretch throughout the season and I start to lose a pound or two off my bow. I want to be more diligent about keeping that really good tune into my bow and the strings are good. Don't get me wrong. I just, and I've toyed around with it. Like I almost shoot so much that I'll shoot out strings. And, um, you know, during damp conditions or all the hunts I get on, I just noticed those strings start to stretch. And I pulled, you know, this bow that I just finished this hunt and it was shooting so good for me. Like there was no reason not to trust it, but I pulled it back and it was like 58.75 pounds or 68.75 pounds. So almost 69 pounds, but that bow should be at 70 pounds. It was when I set it up. So I lost a pound and a quarter out of it. Now, did it didn't make a difference on any of my cuts or any of my shots or, but that it's just something that I want to be diligent about is making sure that I keep the tune in my bow and then just really working on my shooting to build that confidence and that, that bow, you know, I've got a new bow. I've got to build a relationship and all these successful hunts come down to making a shot. And I pride myself on being able to make them, but you're just not sure where that shot's going to come from or how far, when you're going to have to make one to, um, you know, and especially like setting my sights, on these trophy class critters like um it'll come down to making a shot and i just pride myself at being clutch in those moments so definitely want to want to work on that and then yeah the the mental side i really want to use these long runs as far as like you know being able to push what i'm mentally capable of or using these peak grabs like really pushing myself to my limits really getting strong mentally and then just keeping this goal in mind you know um during the hunt and, um, you know, really working hard towards a goal and trying to accomplish it for this next season. And I think also, 
you know, it's like I got to get back to my scouting ways and spending time in these units. So even this last unit I hunted, it's a wintertime rut hunt, but I would like to go down there in the summertime and figure out where some of these roads and accesses and vantage points are and just learn it, spend a few days in country. And it goes for any of these hunts I draw. Like the more time you can spend in the, these units, the more you learn them. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to you know, try to hunt elk in a couple different states next year. Like, I love September elk during the rut. It's just as good as it gets. And, and um, yeah, I'd like to try to kill a personal best bull. And, um, you know, I think scouting is going to be a big key to that. Like, being able to go down and scout and find these different places and canyons and vantage points and having these options. So, um, yeah, I just want to want to put forth the effort and um, be as good as I can be. And I... It was just such a good season with so many good adventures. Like, I am so pumped on what I was able to do this year and the places I was able to go. And, um, I mean, that's the goal every year is to make every year better. And so uh, I got some uh, I got some pretty big shoes to fill after 2023. It was a really good season with a bunch of good adventures. So now i got to start planning 2024 and um, really looking into the tags I want, the hunts I want to do, and then... Also, just more time map research, like burning the candle at both ends and having so many things to get done. You know, sure, I spend my time e-scouting and plotting, but I, I just want to be more intentional with color coding my Onyx marks this year, with spending more time on Google Earth, which really going through and plotting down in a notebook every hunt, my different options and where I think I'll camp and different vantage points, really scratching all this down and then putting it to use in scouting. Like I say... Uh, next level bucks take a next level effort and I want to put forth that effort and see what I can accomplish for next season. So I'm so pumped. And I think it's a matter of like all of us looking at that. So, you know, I think, you know, right now, you know, I'm back to training and I'm uh, running and doing my upper body stuff and my body just performed flawlessly this year. I'm really happy with the way everything works. So, you know, I don't need to totally change it or change my program. Just want to do a little bit more, a little bit more commitment. And I think it, it'd be good for all of us to look over our hunts this year and, and where we failed. Why did we fail? Was it, was it our shooting? Was it executing on animals? Well, Okay, so if it was shooting and executing on animals, we need to spend more time behind the bow. We need to spend more time learning our tune in the bow, more time shooting 3Ds in the summertime. We need to shoot with pressure on us, so shooting leagues, shooting in front of guys, uh, shooting for scores, like, you know, um, uh, you know, like just looking at it and how can we improve now did we go through the season and we didn't find a trophy animal to go stock okay then we need to work on our tag application and we need to work on our map research and i we need to work on our scouting and finding these quality critters so we can give ourselves opportunities or did we see the animals and we tried to stalk them and we fell short? Okay, we need to hone our instincts. We need to find some hunts to do this spring where we're getting stalking. We need to look at, at early season antelope hunts. We need to look at some doe hunts where we're where we're furthering these instincts and, and really sharpening them so when we get to our deer and elk season and we get an opportunity at these animals, we make it happen. Like, you see what I'm saying? As We just look through our outer season and, and look honestly. Like, um, don't let your ego sugarcoat it. Like, just look at your season and look where you failed or where you can be better. And maybe you're like me where you've got a really good, well-rounded skill set where it's like, gosh, 
you know, I can't really point to anything that went wrong. I had a great season. I had opportunities. When I did get shots, I made them. Like, maybe it's just improved in all facets, like what I'm looking to do. It's like I'm, you know, and, and really we should all be looking to improve in all the different skill sets, but sometimes there's like a, a like a, a weak link in the chain, you know, like, and if you have a weak link, like backcountry bow hunting will expose it. And so if we really work on that weak link and we find we problem solve and figure out how we're going to do it, or maybe it's like me and you, you, you need more time and it's like, okay, well I need more time. And, and a big part of my yearly goals too is like, you know, I'm going to take my family on a vacation and spend quality time. My daughter's got a bunch of basketball games coming up. Like, uh, you know, I want to, uh, spend Thanksgiving. I want to spend Christmas with my family. I've got my daughter coming home from college. That's a big part of my hunt success plan as well is making sure that I'm spending time with them, making sure their cups full. So when, by the time I get to hunting season, uh, they, give me the same support that I can absolutely send it and go for it. There's like all these different things that that factor into it. But I think if we just look at our seasons honestly at how we can improve and then we start making those adjustments and improvements, like the hard work pays off and it's the long game. And so, you know, if this is what you truly love, like I love it, if it's your passion, and it obviously is if you're listening to this podcast. I mean, I learned so much from you know, listening to podcasts or taking in information or these in-depth conversations I have with guys. And a lot of that, a lot of it is applying the information they use to my own hunting. So, you know, that's a big piece of the puzzle too, is like you can further your knowledge about Western hunting and, and how to go about it and how you're going to incorporate it into your own hunts. Um, man, it's just... It's like so fun. Like we found our passion, something we truly love and to really sit and think about how we can dial it in, how we can get better, how we can improve. Um, it just makes for this meaningful, fulfilling life, you know? And so like, I just couldn't be happier in the place in life where I am. And I owe a lot of that to backcountry hunting as it's taught me so many lessons that I apply to my business and to my family. And then, you know, when I have something that I love, truly this much you know I'm willing to put everything into it and so makes me a better person throughout the year and just keeps me happy like um it's nice to have goals and have ambition and keep myself in good health and it's like another part of it it's like uh the nutrition and not that I'm heavy I keep myself in good shape but I do think you know I can shave three pounds or you know what whatever I just think um I can you know I, I've kept a good weight like I actually read a little bit more off the scale because I think I've been putting muscle on or whatever, but I don't have much fat around my belly or anything, but I do think I can cut my weight or I think what I can do is have a little bit better nutrition. And so I've already got good nutrition. Again, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't need to throw anything in the dumpster and start over. I just need to continue what I'm doing and make little tweaks and adjustments. And so for my diet, just like cutting down on more sugar, like uh, just cutting more sugar out of my diet, eating real food, eating good meals. My intermittent fasting is working really well. Like I, um, I really think that my body will switch f uh, fuel sources seamlessly from my own fat to uh, the carbs, and um, like it runs really well. So I just some small tweaks to it, and I'd also like to do some of these um, these longer fasts, like the the 60 hour fast or the 70 hour fast where um you know it's supposed to be really good to get rid of damaged or like like damaged cells or like 
cancer-causing cells. They say these long fasts are. Um, so yeah, I'd like to do like some more of these long fasts and see if I can see some benefits through them. So doing some of those uh, with my food, you know, it's definitely like drinking more water and then really cutting more sugar out of my diet. And not that I'm going to totally cut it out or be zero, but you know, just as we get older, we need to make adjustments as well. And so, you know, less breads and less carbs and, um, more meat, veggies, and fruit, and then, like, um, just real food, which I'm good about, but, um, yeah, just cutting just a touch more sugar out of my diet, and I think I'll see less inflammation, and I'll, I'll see better performance out of it, and so, you know, it's like all these little tweaks I can do just to be better at bow hunting, and, um, the deal is, is I love it, so, um, yeah, I've been running, ran again today, um, got in a pretty good one today, uh, like eight miles or so, so it's good. I just need to start to step up and do some of these um, teens. Like I had a couple hunting days. I'm really proud of my effort this year and um, what I put into my hunts. And I, I think that's the reason why I did have the success I did. But boy, that elk season. I had a couple back-to-back -back days. I think I had a 17-mile day and a 15-mile day. And that's those are mountain days. Like not just prairie or not running the flat. Like that's with you know, three to 5,000 vertical feet of elevation gained and lost. So I definitely had like some big days. So if I can just further what I'm capable of, you know, those big days will come easier, but, um, oh, what a riot. All right. I've been, I've been talking long enough, rambling long enough. Um, thanks for listening. And boy, if you made it to the end of this one, an hour, 30 minutes of me rambling about my hunts and around, um, next season, um, uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate you guys more than you'll know and um, really cheering for your guys' success. I love to see you guys work hard and accomplish your goals and have the same passion that I do. So um, thanks again for listening in, supporting the podcast, and uh, thanks to our sponsors of the podcast. And uh, with that, I'll check in with you guys next week. <laughs>